This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Quran across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وإذ يرفع إبراهيم القواعد من البيت وإسماعيل ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ثم أما بعد Once again everyone, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Today inshallah the intention is to go over um, the following ayah This is ayah number 127 In which Allah Azza wa Jal is going to describe the actual building of the Qibla which, Or that's how it's commonly phrased And we'll dig into the language a little bit and realize there's something more going on here and simply building the Qibla. I'll give you a rough translation of the ayah first. وَإِذْ يَرْفَعُوا إِبْرَاهِيمُ الْقَوَاعِدَ مِنَ الْبَيْتِ When Ibrahim السلام, was raising the foundations out of the house, or from the house. مِنَ الْبَيْتِ You can say from literally, or you can say as part of the house. Okay? وَإِسْمَعِيلِ Along with him, Ismail. Ismail is marfu' also, so he's also the fa'il, he's also the doer, but notice that he's mentioned much later. And this rhetorically suggests that the primary architect is Ibrahim, and secondarily, Ismail is helping along, right? They're not mentioned together like that. He's mentioned all the way at the end to kind of suggest that he's also playing a role, but not the primary one. رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ This is actually the beauty of Qur'an from a literary sense. It's very difficult to understand for English literature students. It's the sentence became, began, Ibrahim was building the or raising the foundations of the house along with Ismail. And all of a sudden, there's a quote. And the quote is from them. رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ Master, accept from us. You are the all-hearing, all-knowing. There's no warning in between. As they were raising the foundations, they prayed and said, comma, quotation mark, Master, accept from... It's not like that. It just switches straight to uh, the quote itself, right? So in the, in the Qur'an, like the literature you're used to doesn't have quotation marks. And it doesn't have commas and punctuations. So how does this, how is this supposed to work? This is actually a pretty neat literary feature called iltifat. Iltifat means you are talking about something and all of a sudden you just change gear, switch subjects, or take somebody to a different scene altogether. It's very hard to understand when you're reading a book, but it's very easy to understand when you're listening to a story or actually nowadays when people are watching a movie. It happens all the time. Ten years ago, when I was walking down the street, next thing you know, they're, the camera turns black and white and somebody's walking down the street. They already take you to that scene, right? And you're supposed to understand, yeah, now from here, it's just picking up onto that scene. What Qur'an does in its narrative is it, transform, it, tra- it transports us into these scenes. It just takes you there without warning. So it started with Ibrahim salam was raising these foundations, and you're thinking, this is a lesson from history about something that happened thousands of years ago. And all of a sudden, you're right there standing next to them and you can hear them pray. رَبَّنَا تَقَبَلْ مِنَّا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ As though you're just made the audience into this. That's the other beauty of the word if here in the beginning. When, and this, uh, some ulama say that, you know, this is for وَذْكُرْ إِذْ uh, And remember when, you know. 
But here also, if, if what it does is it actually brings to account or, or forces you to just visualize something. And that's why with the word if for Arabic students, the word if occurs with either the past tense or the present tense. You could say if rafa'a or you could say if yalfa'u. Either way is fine. And it actually still means the past tense. When you use the word if, whatever verb you use thereafter, it doesn't matter. The meaning is still past tense. But then what's the difference between saying idhrafa'a and idhyarfa'u? Like, why use the present tense anyway if the meaning is going to come out to be the past tense? The, the present tense is used in this way to make a scene come to life. To make it feel, even though it happened in the past, it, you want to feel like it's happening right now. This is idhyarfa'u. So it actually re revitalizes the scene when Allah Azza wa says that. The suggestion seems to be that the house of Allah was always there. That's the thing that I wanted to highlight to you. That the house of Allah has always been there. Even before Ibrahim salam raised the walls of the Kaaba, the foundations of it were always there. Allah revealed to him to go to the location that was always supposed to be there. And that's why in Surah Ali Imran, we're going to unlock this secret when Allah says, إِنَّ أَوَّلَ بَيْتٍ وُضِعَ لِلنَّاسِ لَلَّذِي بِبَكَّةٍ The first house built for humanity was at the location of Bakkah. Which seems that even, some have even extrapolated from that, Allah knows best, that it was even from Adam alayhi salam, the first house built was actually the Kaaba, way back when, and then climate change or whatever happened, and it's buried under the desert, nobody, and nobody lives there, so it's completely uninhabited, and then Allah reveals to him, Ibrahim alayhi salam, to go there, and to dig up those foundations, and start building from those foundations up. It's interesting, Allah didn't tell Ibrahim, tell us about Ibrahim alayhi salam, that he built the foundations that he raised the foundations. Raising something means it's already there and you're raising it, right? So that's the implication that's inside the word yarfa'u. The word qawa'id, some have interpreted to mean it means walls. And so they say, no, he is the one who built it because qawa'id means walls also in Arabic. I would disagree with that interpretation only because Allah specifically uses qawa'id in the Qur'an in the meaning of foundations. Like, فَأَتَ اللَّهُ بُنْيَانَهُمْ مِنَ الْقَوَاعِدِ for example, Allah attacked, you know, certain nations that were destroyed. Allah says Allah attacked their buildings from their foundations. Which is a pretty amazing thing to say. Because in any building, if there's a war, nowadays and in ancient times, when there's a war and buildings are under attack, then what is attacked are the windows. What is attacked are the walls. What is attacked is the ceiling. What you cannot attack is the foundation. You can't. That's actually, and by, by the way, when there is a danger, where do people go? They go down underground. That's the most secure part of any building. Allah says, when I attack, I start with the foundation. Subhanallah. Where are you gonna go? <laughs> when he goes to the most secure part of the building. So anyway, so the, the, the Quranic usage does seem to be about foundations. The other thing is, you know, the, the, the meaning of the word qawaid in the Arabic is actually comes from qa'ada or qu'ud. You may have heard of qu'ud in your prayer. Right, Qurud is when you sit. And it's actually used that way, it's an imagery for where the rest of the building sits. What it sits on is the foundation. So first you settle or seat the foundation, and then the rest of the building is built on top of that. And that's why yeah, even the, the verb, because foundations are always underground, right? That's why they say, uh, you know, وَقَعَدَ أَوْ أَقْعَدَ الْبِئْرَ حَفَرَهَا They actually use the verb أَقْعَدَ to dig. Because obviously foundations have to be Dug. So it doesn't really have the meaning of wall. It actually does carry the meaning of foundation and that's what's being used here. Uh, the other interesting thing about this word is that Allah Azza wa is describing something not just physical. That's the beauty of the Quran. It'll describe something like 
tangible and also describe something intangible. There's this duality in meaning here. There's a majazi meaning here. Ibrahim salam was laying down the foundations of the house, not just physically, bricks and cement and all of that. He's actually laying down the spiritual foundations of this house, along with his son Ismail. So there's the foundations of the religion are being laid down. It's not just a building that's being put together, but the spirit of it is also being put together. And that spirit is being put together with father and son, and they together turn to Allah and make this incredible, incredible dua. Then, of course, uh, some have noticed the, the use of the word rafa'a. إِذْ يَرْفَعُوا إِبْرَاهِيمُ الْقَوَاعِدَ مِنَ الْبَيْتِ See, what Qur'an does sometimes is that it takes certain words and it brings them together. And then you'll notice that in other places in Qur'an, Allah will take those same words and bring them together again. And then some other places, He'll bring them together again. And these words, you would never think they have anything to do with each other. But uh, but Allah keeps hinting that they, they do. They have something to do with each other. And the two words I'd like to share with you here are Rafa' and Bayt. فِي بُيُوتٍ أَذِنَ اللَّهُ أَن تُرْفَعَ And then here, وَإِذْ يَرْفَعُ إِبْرَاهِيمُ الْقَوَاعِدَ مِنْ الْبَيْتِ Raising and the house. They have, to, they have something to do with each other. These two words that you would otherwise think are unrelated to each other. Raising, the verb to raise, and the house. But they seem to have a correlation with each other. As a matter of fact, the houses are built to uh, raise the mention of Allah. And when someone makes dhikr of Allah, Allah raises their mention with His angels. And they are rising above the sins that they have done. And they are coming closer and closer to Allah So there's this imagery of not just a building coming up, and foundations coming up, but people coming up as a result. You are, you know, you and I get dirty and mudded with sin. And then we go to Allah's house. And that's actually the, the reason we go to any of Allah's houses, even this masjid or any masjid around the world, but especially the, you know, the haram. You go there, you put your head on the ground, and there's something that's just being cleaned off of you. It's, it's the, the dirt is falling off of you and being, you're being elevated, you know? So that's kind of the, the implied language and the, the imagery that's inside وَإِذْ يَرْفَعُوا إِبْرَاهِيمُ الْقَوَاعِدَ مِنَ الْبَيْتِ Then this dua itself, رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ such a such a heavy dua because here you have Ibrahim alayhi salam having built the greatest construction project in human history like nobody gets more reward for building something than this man building this right now and we already said that this is after he passed some of the most difficult tests and yet he's worried if this maybe this wasn't good enough and he as a prophet who's already been told in which is by the way both a blessing and a test we talked about that is building this, and he's worried if this is not good enough, رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ minna, Master, accept from us. Now the verb in Arabic is actually iqbal, iqbal minna, accept from us. تَقَبَّلْ is the تَفَعَّلَ form, it's the mubalagh form, the hyperbolized form, Ya Allah completely accept. Just, you know, there's something, there's one thing to accept, and there's another to wholly accept, completely accept. Like for instance, somebody gets accepted into a college, Barely. And somebody gets a full scholarship, and they get like, the, the president of the university gets, sends a helicopter to pick them up, or something silly. Like, <laughs> it's diff- There's degrees of acceptance. There's degrees of you know, being welcomed. He's not asking, Ya Allah, I know it's not very good, just take, take whatever, just barely accept. Just pass kar de Allah. Like, you know, let me just pass. Let me just not fail. He's actually asking Allah, Ya Allah, accept wholly. 
This is a contradiction I'd like to explain to you. It's so beautiful. On the one hand, the believer, the human being, recognizes that nothing they do is perfect. My wudu was not perfect. My prayer was not perfect. My dhikr is not perfect. This dars is not perfect. You know, my attention when I'm listening to Quran is not perfect. You know, nothing I do is perfect. My relationships aren't perfect. The way I take care of my parents is not perfect. Imperfection is just what we are. That's just what we are. And yet, you're asking Allah to accept with the word taqabbal as though everything is what? Perfect, like flawless. How? Who are you to ask Allah to accept, give you perfect score? You know you didn't get a perfect score. This is the mercy of Allah and the humility of the believer all at once. Ya Allah, I am far from perfect. I am far from perfect. But you, you give a lot of extra credit. You can turn this into a perfect score. You know? So we ask Allah of the highest of acceptance. The highest form of acceptance. Even though we know we have far too many shortcomings. This is Rabbana taqabbal minna. Master, accept from us. Notice also this is the first time he's using nahnu. Minna. Everything before, he said, وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِنَا No, he said, وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِ He said, my children. What about my children? It was the word my that was there before. But now all of a sudden, he's turning to Allah Azza wa Jal, and he's saying, except from us. This is actually Ibrahim salam's genius captured in such beautiful, subtle words. You, when the conversation began, Ibrahim salam's first concern was his children. Allah said, not wrongdoers. Then he spoke again and said, Ya Allah, okay, fine. Whoever among my children believe. Allah said, no, even the disbeliever, I'll, I'll hook him up. I'll, I'll give him good stuff. And so he's been answered a couple of times already now. And now Ibrahim has wisened up and said, well, if a couple of my children, if a few of my children are going to be wrongdoers, and Allah is not guaranteeing everybody, at least now let me ask Allah, instead of asking Allah for my children, let me just include this boy over here, as though we are praying together, and not even ask for him. Just ask for the work that I know is already accepted. What's he doing? He's doing Allah's work, building the Kaaba, according to Allah's revelation. Clearly this is accepted. But he, and he, it's supposed to be accepted from him. He includes his son and says, Rabbana taqabbal minna. And it's some ulama like Alusi ibn Ashur, some of them commented that as he was saying, Rabbana taqabbal minna, they weren't saying it together. It was Ibrahim alayhi salam saying it and his son saying, Ameen. Ameen. Like the kid was kind of following along Ismail alayhi salam and you know furthering the dua or accepting or joining into the dua of his father. So Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta sami'ulim. Also it seems to suggest that as they were building it, they kept on saying it like they didn't make this dua once. Construction doesn't happen in a, you know, a minute. It takes time. And throughout this construction, their chant, their prayer is this dua. Ya Allah, accept from us, accept from us, accept from us. Innaka anta sami'ul alim. No doubt you, you are the ultimate hearer, the all-knowing. This is the foundation of our religion. It's really in, a, in a, the spiritual foundation of our religion. There are intellectual foundations of our faith. There are practical foundations of our faith. There are spiritual foundations of our faith. I would argue that as this house was being built, we have been given the spiritual foundations of our faith. What do you think about when you think about the Kaaba? You know what you're supposed to think about? You're supposed to think about the fact that Allah will accept. And Allah listens. And Allah knows. And only He knows. Nobody listens like He does and nobody knows like He does. And Allah is worth talking to. You cannot abandon talking to Allah.
Ya Allah, I've made lots of mistakes. I've messed up quite a bit in my life, Ya Rab. But I'm here. Just accept me for what I am. Just accept me. And just please listen to my plea. Innaka anta samiul alim. This is another the other part of the spiritual foundation for every single believer, whether they're extremely religious, not religious at all. They've been sinning, they've been missing prayers, they've been drinking, they've been all kinds of stuff. They've been in all kinds of sin. And they're so addicted to their sin, they don't even know how to stop. Even those people. Those people can also just one day just turn to Allah and say, Ya Allah, I messed up, just accept from me. I'm ready. But they can't do that. You know a lot of people when they're in sin, you know what they do? They don't like talking to Allah. They're afraid. They get really afraid. Shaitan comes, and actually one of the first things he does, is he gets you to stop talking to Allah. Just, you'll hear things about the religion and things, but you in your own moments will not converse with Allah. The thought that comes in your head is, why would he listen to me? I've messed up so bad, what face can I take before him? Like, how, who am I to talk to him? I, I deserve no right, I have no right to be in conversation with Allah. And this dua is, it's the, it crushes all of it. I must, I'm not perfect. I'm not. But except from us anyway. And then Allah will never shut his ears off. You know, in our human relationships, there are people that you disappoint. You can disappoint your father, your mother, you can disappoint your spouse, your siblings, business partners, friends. You can disappoint people. You can disappoint your, a leader can disappoint his community. Community can disappoint a leader. Happens. Prophets were disappointed by their followers. That happened. And when that happens, you uh, don't want to talk to that person again. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. Does that happen or no? When you're disappointed, you just don't want to hear from this person. Or you've disappointed someone, and they don't want to hear from you. I can't begin to tell you how many places I've been to across the world where people have come up to me and said, this and this happened between me and my parents and my mother will not talk to me. She's disowned me. My father won't talk to me. I call, they don't return the call. They hang up. They hear my voice and they hang up. It's been years. I've been trying. I don't know what to do. Like there are people who genuinely love you and even they can shut you out completely. Our only experience with relationships is with people. And we assume that's how all relationships work, even the relationship we have with Allah. And so we assume if people can shut us out, and people, by the way, people are very good at sending you to hell too. You are going to burn for this. Allah will never forgive you. You heard these things? Allah will never forgive you. You're, you know, you're, you're just, you know, astaghfirullah. You're the worst kind of munafiq. You know, there's an ayah about people like you. There's a hadith about people like you. <laughs> Allah does not condemn you to hell. Allah doesn't give up on you. And by the way, if Allah gave up on you, you wouldn't be breathing. If Allah has given up on someone, there's no reason for them to be alive anymore. The fact that you're breathing means Allah hasn't given up on you. People give up on you. And people even assume the place of Allah and say, no, no, uh, not only am I angry at you, on my authority, Allah is angry at you too. And they'll invoke God and God's anger on you. This is the highest form of blasphemy. You and I turn before Allah, people won't accept you, it's fine. People don't accept you, just turn before Allah. You're the one who listens. Later on, this conversation is going to get completed. Because later on, Allah will say, okay, I listen. Do you listen? 
He's going to ask a very simple question. Uh, when do you listen? And he, it's, it's amazing. It's not like others. Don't assume it's like others. For others, they'll say, I'm not going to listen to you because you don't listen to me. Allah doesn't do that. Allah says, I'm, I'm going to give you everything. I'll answer your prayers. But just, it would be nice if you answered too. He's not going to make it a condition. Until you answer me, I shall not answer you. Nope. Nope. Even sinners, even, even rebels, even people that are immersed in the worst of deeds, Allah still gives them rizq. Allah still gives them health. Allah still gives them opportunity. Allah gives them the car that they drive to the haram place. He gives them that. Allah could just paralyze them when He wants. Say, now go ahead, rebel, have fun. Oh, you want to party, huh? How are you going to party without your legs? You like that? You learned your lesson yet? Allah doesn't do that. Let's you go. Keeps on giving. You are awesome. Okay. So this is this is actually why I say that this is a spiritual foundation of our faith. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka And this is for the people that are so far away from Allah and people that are very very close to Allah all of them. And I mentioned this how this applies to people that have gone far away. But I also like to mention how this applies to people that have not gone far away, people that are serving religion, people that are volunteering at a masjid, people that are memorizing Quran, studying the deen, they're students of, you know, Islam and they're, you know, they're they're studying sharia and fiqh and whatever and they're teaching their community and they're all these good deeds. There are people that are doing good deeds or humanitarian work, da'wah work, whatever work they're doing. Those people, you know what happens sometimes with them the worst thing is they forget that they have to ask Allah for acceptance. Like they assume it's acceptable. I'm already doing Allah's work. And nobody comes out and says it. That's the crazy thing. Nobody comes out and says, yeah, I'm doing a lot of great Islamic work. Nobody says that. And nobody directly thinks it either. There are some litmus tests if you are thinking this or not. When you look at other people and the work that they're doing and you look down on it, just in your mind, it's like they think they're serving Islam? (laughs) Like that. That actually subconsciously means you think you are the ultimate gift to humanity. You're, you know, irreplaceable. And people need to listen to you. And people need to follow you. Because you represent the truth. You represent the ultimate service to thee. There's a humility even for the one building the Kaaba. Even the one, he's uh, maybe this isn't good enough, Ya Allah. Just accepted without with all of its shortcomings. Our service to Allah's deen is an honor Allah gave us. He allows you and me to be servants. He allows that. There's so many people that are so much smarter than we are, so much better well-spoken than we are, so much more talented than we are, that Allah did not give this honor to. And you're, you and I are supposed to remain humble. Ya Allah, let us do right by this honor. Whatever little we can do, just accept it from us. Just accept it from And we have to maintain that humility because wallahi al-azim, people will come and people will go. And there are going to be people under the ground and the deen will go on. This deen doesn't need you and me. It doesn't need you and me. It doesn't need the scholars of this ummah. It doesn't need the youth leaders. It doesn't need the speakers. It doesn't need the, you know, it doesn't need anybody. Allah can bring biqawmin akhareen. He can just bring another nation altogether. ثُمَّ لَا يَكُونُوا أَمْثَالَكُمْ They won't be like you. I'll just replace you. He doesn't need you. You know, we need him. We need to recognize that. That the religion of Allah is not in our need. We are in its need. 
we are in its need. And that, that attitude can disappear very quickly. A sense of entitlement can come very quickly. Who's, got, who's gonna do it if I don't do it? Once you develop that attitude, then there's no dif- there's very little difference left between you and Iblis. Very little difference left. He felt entitled. You know the thing that baffles me the most about Iblis is uh, he wasn't going to make any money. What was he going to get? If the angels did sajda not to Adam and they did all it was was recognition. This entire mess just for recognition. No wealth, no power, no nothing. <laughs> just recognition. And on top of that, it's not even political recognition or social recognition or nope. It's religious recognition. It's a religious position. Khalifa for Allah. That's what it is. Shaitan will enter into the space, into the religious space. And there are people that are going to be serving the deen and they're going to be worshipping their ego. This is actually at the heart of what we bring before Allah Azza wa Jal. And so he then continues from, uh, by the way, as he goes to the next uh, ayah, I want to share with you a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, so beautiful. أَنَا دَعْوَةُ أَبِي إِبْرَاهِيمُ وَبُشْرَى عِيسَى The Prophet ﷺ says, I am the prayer of my father Ibrahim, and I am the good news given by Isa. Two things. He only mentions two prophets in this hadith. He says, I am the prayer of my father Ibrahim, and I am the good news given by Isa. Why is that important? That's important because this entire legacy began with Ibrahim alayhi And when it began with Ibrahim alayhi Allah gave prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet to Bani Israel. He gave it to Ishaq was a prophet, Yaqub was a prophet, Yusuf was a prophet, and then there's Kullama Halaka Nabiyun, Khalafa Nabiyun. Prophethood continues, continues, continues among the children of Ibrahim from the other line. All the way to Isa. It, it ends at Isa a.s. He mentions where this began, on that side, and all the way where it ends with Isa a.s. And when Isa a.s. is the last of them sent to Banu Israel, this is not a moment to be sad for Banu Israel. Oh, we don't get any more? We're just, that's it for us? It's the Arabs' turn now? Isa a.s. What word did he use? Bushra Isa. Good news given by Isa. There's actually reason to celebrate that the final, the finally that dua of Ibrahim salam is about to be fulfilled. And so on the other side is Rasulullah wasallam. So he says, I am the, the, the dua of my father Ibrahim. Look at how the Prophet defines himself. This is actually one of the ways in the Prophet, he wasallam is the mubtada of the sentence. Ana, this is who I am. You know, it's one thing to say, I am the, uh, I am the result of the dua. You know, I am the answer to the dua. He says, I am the dua. I am the dua of my father Ibrahim. Look at how he defines himself affiliated with his father, Ibrahim alayhi salam. This is the point I was making last time. And then on the other side, وَبُشْرَى Isa. Subhanallah. رَبَّنَا وَجْعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكَ they're both building the Kaaba. Ibrahim and Ismail are building or raising now the foundations of the Kaaba. And they ask Allah, Ya Allah, maintain us, keep us Muslim before you. You know what that means? Keep us in submission before you. We've done a lot of good in our past. Ya Allah, just keep us that way. It's not, they're already Muslim. Why are they saying, make us Muslim or keep us Muslim? 
Ijalna Muslim is Muslimaini is suggesting, Ya Allah, just because I've done a lot of good in my past doesn't mean I'm guaranteed to do good tomorrow. Ya Allah, can you keep me in submission? Shaitan can come at any time. He can it doesn't matter how much you know, how much you've worshipped, how many hajj you've done, how many tahajjud you've prayed, how much Quran you've memorized, how many ijazat you have, how much hadith you've said. None of that matters. You're still human. And your submission to Allah will always be challenged. It will always be challenged. There are on the because always remember when I try to give you this this kind of dars, I'm trying to show you where it applies to us. And there are really at the end of the day two extremes. There are people in between. There are two extremes inside the ummah today. There are people that are alhamdulillah very practicing, and there are people that are very far away from Deen. It's two extremes. And these words are not for one group or the other, they're for both. They're for both of those groups. On the one hand, people that are practicing, don't become relaxed that, you know, you're gonna remain in submission. Ya Allah, keep me. Keep me good. I'm trying to do good. Ya Allah, keep me in submission. And by the way, Islam, the idea of submitting yourself necessarily means humility. Surrender cannot be done without humility. Ya Allah, keep me humble is already automatically included. You don't have to actually mention tawadu' separately, humility separately. When you say, رَبَّنَا وَجَعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكَ Humility is already included. You know? That's what Allah Azza wa Jal will teach us here. On the other side though, you have people that are very far from deen, and then they have a moment of goodness. They have a moment where they feel connected to Allah, they prayed after a long time. They showed up for Jum'ah, something. This dua is like a lifeline for them. Because you know, in the back of their head, you know what they're thinking? Yeah, I'm good today, but it is Friday night later. You know? It is the weekend. Back to normal. They're thinking to themselves, I'm gonna gonna resort back to what I used to be. Yeah, I've had this good moment, but it's not gonna last. I'm gonna mess up again. And Allah Azza wa Jal gives them, رَبَّنَا وَجَعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكَ The words of our father Ibrahim and his son Ismail together, they, they reverberate throughout history, throughout our consciences, you know. And so, Ya Allah, just keep me Muslim. Just give me the strength to remain in submission. I've had this moment where I found this submission. Ya Allah, can you keep it strong? Can you keep it going? This is Rabbana wajalna Muslimaini lak. And out of our children, out of our future offsprings, at least one ummah, one group that remains Muslim before you, I'd like to show you the the transition here, because the, the hikam inside these words are just, they're baffling. They're just, to me, they're just mind-blowing. When a person is living in this life, and they've made mistakes, and they're, you know, they're trying to come back to Allah, all they can think about is themselves. I want to make istighfar, I want to ask Allah for forgiveness, I want to become a better person, I want to, you know, come back to the deen. That's, that's their only concern. Then as soon as they come into this deen and they come, they, they find even a little bit of peace, you know what they realize? Life is really short and I just haven't done enough good. And I don't want to stand in front of Allah not having done enough good. And the only way I'll have a chance, a real chance, is if I leave a good behind that lives longer than I do. That's the only way. I, I don't have another shot. So I want to fix myself, but I know fixing myself is just, it's good, but I, I want to, I want a better insurance policy. What's that insurance policy? Our progeny, our future generations. 
وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِنَا أُمَّةً مُسْلِمَةً لَكَ And out of our future lineages, some ummah, some group that will remain Muslim before you. Somebody who will remain Muslim. Just the, the, the beauty that Allah has created in our religion of this concept of sadaqah jariyah. You know, of, of, of charity that continues. That lives longer than you. There are people who like, you know, I think sometimes about my ancestors. And I know for a fact my ancestors are Buddhist. Like six, seven generations ago, they're Buddhists. And somebody became Muslim. Some, some guy accepted Islam and, you know, he changed, he fought his family or got kicked out or <laughs> whatever happened with him. And he brought La ilaha illallah to his household and then to his children and to his children and to his children and then down to, to myself and then inshallah from me to my kids and from them to their kids, right? But whatever good they do, whatever good I do, whatever good my parents have done or my grandparents have done, that one young man who took shahada, you know, it's just piling into his account. And he might, not, he might have lived, five, who knows, he lived 10 years after that, 5 years, a year after that, who knows. And yet his good just carries on among his children. The other really beautiful thing I'd like to add here is with Ibrahim salam, Allah extended the concept of dhurriyah. Dhurriyah means lineage, offspring. But Allah says to the entire Muslim ummah, He is your father. Is He biologically our father, all of us? No. There are people that are of oriental descent. There are people that are of African descent. There are people that are of you know, South Asian descent. He's not biologically, genetically the father of all of them. He's not. And yet Allah transcends gen- genetics and says, He is your father. In other words, fatherhood is now a spiritual thing when it comes to Ibrahim salam. And as a result, if fatherhood is a spiritual thing, then offsprings are also a spiritual thing. The, the, it goes both ways. It's been extended beyond just your genes. The dhurriyah, that you, the future generations of us all together. You know, the good that we leave behind, not just for our immediate family, and, and that they are our priority, but beyond that, what we leave behind for the ummah. That isn't even our ethnicity. That don't even come from the same background. وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِنَا أُمَّةً مُسْلِمَةً لَكَ But of course, the primary here, their intention is that some, our children should remain Muslim here because, you know, they're building this Kaaba, and it's not in a fun climate. It's not exactly a nice place to live. And you know what happens when you're living in a place that's not easy to live in? Future generations, they stay there or they move out? They move out. He's making dua, Ya Allah, keep some of them here. Just They remain in submission to you, they keep serving this house. We're building this house, but what's the point if this house gets abandoned? You know? وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِنَا أُمَّةً مُسْلِمَةً لَكَ وَأَرِنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا Show us our, and, and by the way, I, I can't go on that quickly. I need to say one more thing here. Um, the idea of building a masjid, uh, we hear it at fundraisers all the time, this is for our future generations. I mean, I've heard it, right? And then the big checks are signed, because this is for our future generations. How I can't tell you how many beautiful, beautiful masjids I've been to across America and Canada, different places that are just empty. Empty. We built the buildings. We raised the foundations. But we raised only one kind of foundation. Just a physical foundation. We didn't raise the spiritual foundation inside those homes. Our kids don't want to be there. Something has to be done. Like, 
you know, what you, when you study Ibrahim, you have to study Ibrahim carefully. If you want to understand how to bring the next generation and fulfill this dua, it's not just the dua, the, the man had a strategy. Like one of them, for example, is, فَلَمَّا بَلَغَ مَعَهُ السَّعِيَةِ I just read that, I was like, why is this in the Qur'an? When he reached old enough, when his son, Ismail, was old enough to run around with him, Qur'an says. Why did Allah say when he was old enough to run around with him? Why couldn't just the Qur'an say when he was older? That'll get the point across. He's a father that's very active in the life of, life of his children. And that same kid is the one helping with the construction project. What does that mean about bringing our kids to the masjid? Building a bond with this place. Running around with our kids. Doing stuff with them. That's the religion of Ibrahim salam. You don't just have children and assume they're going to grow into Islam. They will get it from their father. That the, the role has to be there. That active role in the lives of our children. It has to, has to be there. May Allah Azza wa allow all of us to be responsible fathers in the spirit of Ibrahim alayhi salam. So he says, وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِنَا أُمَّةً مُسْلِمَةً Out of our offspring, an ummah, a nation that has direction, that submits itself before you. وَأَرِنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا I'll, I'll tra- translate easy for you first. You know, and show us our rituals. The word nusuk in Arabic, I'll read some of my notes to you for the word nusuk. It's actually in Arabic, الْعِبَادَةَ وَالطَّعَةَ وَكُلُّ مَا تُقُرِّبَ بِهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى The word nusuk is used, or nusk with a sukun in the middle, is used for any act of worship, any act of obedience, anything that brings you close to Allah. When he says, أَلِنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا One of its meanings is, show us how to worship you. Show us what it means to obey you. Show us how do we get closer to you. I don't know how to get close to you. Show you show me. You show me. When nusuk, and by the way, in that we are learning something. You cannot learn how to get close to Allah on your own. You can find Allah, but you want wabtahu wasila. You want to find a way closer and closer and closer to Him. You've got to let Allah teach you. And Allah only teaches through revelation. You can't make this stuff up. I'm, I don't spend time in my durus bashing people or criticizing people that do different kinds of practices. But I will tell you something <coughs> from a practical point of view. This is, the, this is part of the prayer of Ibrahim salam. There are people who claim that if you want to get close to Allah, do this. And they'll come up with a prescription. Read this this many times, then go around in a circle, then you know, open and close your fridge and don't eat any, whatever they come up with. You know, uh, pretty soon there's going to be like a video game version of this, I'm pretty sure. Square, square, R1, hold L2, and then make dua three times. And then, <laughs> like, <laughs> the problem with all of this is, these are, if somebody says, how do I get rid of this spiritual problem or how do I get close to Allah? That's matter of, a, is that a problem of the seen or the unseen? It's the unseen. Only Allah, His angels, and His authorized messengers have access to how the unseen works. That's who He gave access to. Now there are some people who claim they have access to the unseen. They do. And they say, Allah has showed me in a dream, or Allah has showed me while I was awake, as soon as I finished my hallucinogen, that, you know, (laughs) that this is what I must do. And I've met people like this. I've literally met people like this. They claim that they have access to the unseen and all of it. Like, 
Why would Allah in the Quran say, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُطْلِعَكُمْ عَلَى الْغَيْبِ Allah will never be one to give you access to the unseen. Now should I ex- believe you, uncle? Uncle Ghaib? Or what Allah just said in his, Allah will not be one to give you access to the unseen. He won't. Yes, you can have a true dream. You can have ilham. You can have inspiration from Allah. But instructions on how to do and what to do, that's what a messenger is for. And he kind of did his job pretty good. To the perfection actually. أَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي I perfected my favor upon you. When something is perfect, it doesn't need additions. That's what's called perfect. <laughs> no, but it's perfect in so many things, but spiritually you need some amendments everywhere. No, no, I'm pretty sure you don't. They're, the prophets are pretty awesome. They got it. And our messenger, Quran, I'm pretty sure it's perfect. It's enough. You know, أَوَلَمْ يَكْفِهِمْ Quran asked the question. أَنَّا أَنزَلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ يُطْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ Isn't it enough for them that we've sent a book down? Why do they want something more? Why do they want to come up with other stuff? We come up with nusuk of our own. We come up with rituals, practices of our own. Ibrahim salam was far more spiritual than you and me. Or anyone who's offering you their access to the unseen. And he turns to Allah and says, Arina manasikana, show us our rituals. We can't do this ourselves. You need to show us. There's a humility here. That is the part of the legacy of our father, Ibrahim alayhi salam. Nusuk also means, and nusuk or nusuk or nisika, or nasika rather, is al-dabiha, waqila al-nusuk al-dam. Show us also how to perform sacrifices. The word is a pointed word here because for, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but in Jewish tradition, because we have been through so many ayat of the Jews, right? In Jewish tradition, the Israelites, their foremost form of worship was sacrifice. That's actually their primary form of worship was sacrifice. It, I would even argue it comes before salah to them. It's sacrifice. Ibrahim salam is being talked about and Ibrahim is telling Allah, Show us our sacrifices. And the word manasik, it's interesting, it come from, it could come from mansak or mansik. If it comes from mansak, it could be a masdar too. Which means rituals. Show us our rituals. And even our sacrificial rituals. But if it comes from mansik, it's a dharf, which means show us the places and the times we're supposed to do our sacrifices. Show us the places, show us the places and the times to perform our rituals. This is all gonna be very pointed because for the Israelites, they believe that the son to be slaughtered was Ishaq. They don't believe it was Ismail. And so the son to be slaughtered was Ishaq, and of course that sacrifice was gonna take place somewhere in Jerusalem. Somewhere else. And now this dua is coming up, and the question arises, and the Quran will prove very, you know, very convincingly that actually the son to be slaughtered was in fact Ismail alayhi salam. And the Arabs have been sacrificing an animal in the name of Ibrahim and Ismail, even though they became pagan for thousands of years, fulfilling this. This mansak stayed alive. And so Allah is already kind of telling the Jewish community, remember the prayer of your father where he said, show us how to perform our rituals? Yeah, that was over here when he was building this house. 
Where do you think the rituals happened? This house. And if the rituals happened near this house, which son was it? Because Ishaq was never here. Who was there? Ismail was here. So which son supposed to be slaughtered? This one. Like all of it ties back to Ismail salam from the Islamic text, and actually it can be argued even from the Jewish text. وَأَرِنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا أَيْ مُتَعَبِّدَاتِنَا or مُتَعَبَّدَاتِنَا Show us our places of worship. Ya Allah, show us where we should worship. How we should worship. Nusuk, by the way, again figurative language. نَسَكَ الثَّوْبُ غَسَّلَهُ بِالْمَاءُ وَطَهَّرَهُ Show us the way to purify ourselves. Manasik is actually nasaka to wash, to, to purify. Show us the way to wash ourselves and cleanse ourselves. So beautiful. So first he says, you know, in the in the beginning, make us both Muslim. Then he says, make Ya Allah, among our future generations, at least some group should remain Muslim. Then he comes back, comes back to themselves. And says, and for us, at least show us what rituals we should perform. How do we purify ourselves? This is actually a tafsir of وَجَعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكَ How do we become Muslim to you? We're gonna do the right rituals, we're gonna do the right sacrifices. Our Islam is gonna be at, at its core, one of the core pieces of our Islam is what rituals we're supposed to perform. How do you perform the salah? How do you make the wudu? How do you sacrifice the animal? How do you perform hajj? These rituals are important. You know, in modern ethics and spirituality people say i'm a, i'm i'm religious no i'm spiritual but not religious you heard of this one i'm spiritual but not religious you know what that means rituals are you know they're not for me i just feel like i can talk to god or a higher power electricity or whatever you know <laughs> i just feel like i can talk to a higher power i don't have to bind myself to rituals and now muslims who are muslim not not someone who's seeking religion Muslims are saying, yeah, rituals, you know, they don't really mean anything. You know, I, it's really the philosophy of Islam and the, the inner meanings that matter. I would argue the legacy of Ibrahim is a humility. Ya Allah, show me what to do that will bring me close to you. Because I don't know how to do it. There's this philosophical journey of Ibrahim and he could have just stopped there and said, well, I found there's one Allah. Now I'm spiritually connected to him, so I'm good. Because I don't need rituals. That's like primitive. He found, he finds Allah philosophically, and then he begs to Allah to show him what rituals must be performed to keep himself pure. And that is actually in my next session, I will share with you how purification is actually the ultimate goal of Islam. Like if you were to try to understand what Ibrahim Alayhisam's legacy is about, how this dua even culminates in, وَأَرِنَا manasikana. Show us how we can purify ourselves, the rituals that will purify us. alayna, And accept our tawbah. By the way, when, when your tawbah is accepted, what happens to your sins? They're purified. And good is, you know, it's replaced with good. The, the entire thing is actually about purification. So we're gonna have to look at purification carefully. What does it mean to have purification? You know? Uh, and because in it is the key to understanding the legacy of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Anyway, so, وَأَيْنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا وَتُبْ عَلَيْنَا And accept our tawbah. By the way, he's asking Allah too, right? Show me what to do. If you remember the story of the Jews, did they ask Allah to show them what to do? There's a story in which they ask. Can someone remember what story it was where they asked? What should we do? What should we do? And it was about sacrifice too. The cow. 
They asked too, right? Hey, what color cow? Still confused. You know? They asked multiple times. And now Allah takes them back to Ibrahim and says, how dare you make a mockery out of sacrifice when your father asked for it like this and begged, show us what to do. The moment you were told, you should have done it. If out of nothing else, out of regard for the legacy of your father. وَأَرِنَا manasik. And then, as soon as he does it, what does he do? He makes tawbah. بَتُبْ alayna. You people, instead of begging Allah for forgiveness, you are making Allah even more angry. You're doing the opposite of tawbah. You know? That's what, you know, so, so the, the contrast here that's being painted is that you people have nothing to do with Ibrahim anymore. You can't claim him anymore. Look at you and look at him. That's the, that's the comment that's being made here. وَتُبْ عَلَيْنَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ You are ultimately the one who accepts tawbah, always forgiving and merciful. How does this apply to us is the last thing I'd like to leave you with. People that have been in sin and have been away from Allah, if they have a chance to go back to Allah, if they get a chance to go to Hajj, drop everything, go to Hajj. Perform the rituals Allah taught you. Beg Allah to forgive you. And Allah will accept your tawbah. And He's Ar-Rahim. You'll find a new beginning. If you cannot go to Hajj, at least come back to the rituals you can perform right now. The prayer. More important than anything else, the prayer. And the second thing, you know Allah says, Aqimu Salawa, what? You know what Atu Zakat means, right? Not just give Zakat. You can't give Zakat on haram money. So turn, fix yourself with Allah, and then make clean money. Make clean money and then spend charity. You could do that, everything else will sort itself out. Because the thing that Allah puts at the core, Aqimu Salawa, Atu Zakat. These are the manasik of our daily life. That's the manasik of our daily. And then, of course, the ultimate mansak is, or mansik is when we go to hajj. And just come before Allah, leaving everything behind. May Allah accept our tawbah. And this is, this is actually now, we're, we're, continue, we're still very much in the thick of the dua of Ibrahim alayhi salam. You have from the very beginning, you know, asking that they should be Muslim and their children should have something of Islam. And then the rituals, and now we're gonna see yet another dua from him. And that dua deserves discussion just by itself. It's, it's probably one of the heaviest ayat of the Quran. And now I would argue this is, if somebody understand that, understands this next ayah, they understand kind of the vision of Islam itself. So it's, it's really that, that heavy. I, without exaggeration, I would argue. There, there are some pivotal places in the Quran that really, they cast light on all of Quran. And they cast light of all, on all of Islam. And this is one of those places. So inshallah ta'ala, I hope to do some justice to that ayah after this break. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayat wa dhikr al-Hakim. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Qur'an across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G.